In the following live session recording, Alan Smith, pastor of marketing and creative arts with Calvary Baptist Church in Columbus, Georgia, leads the session entitled, Good Design Matters, Design Like a Pro. Good graphic design makes the difference in whether someone engages with your content or keeps scrolling. This workshop will look at how to use Canva, a free web-based application, to create compelling graphics for screens, social media, and print. Our goal should be to create compelling designs to communicate the gospel. Let's join Alan now. So a little about me, my name is Alan Smith. I am the Creative Arts Pastor at Calvary Baptist Church in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, which basically what that means is I get to oversee all of the graphics and media and web and app and social and print and design and signage and everything of that comes through our office. Um, so it's a, that's what we do. You can find me on just about any of the interweb platforms at Media317 or you can also follow us on the Instagram at DesignerBibleCon, um, which is where we put a lot of this kind of stuff on uh, about design and how it's important in, for the church. Uh, CalvaryJ.com slash GoGeorgia19. All of the information I'm going to show you today is where I have put that as a PDF. So all of my slides, all the graphics that we're going to show today um, in my slide deck here from my keynote are there. So if you would, would like to grab that, please feel free to do so. If you go to that URL, it'll automatically pop up and download the PDF for you. Uh, CalvaryGeorgia.com is our website, um, slash GoGeorgia19. All right. So that's who I am. Any questions? No? Good. Excellent. Here we go. So we're going to talk today about why design is important, but not just design, why good design is important. All right. There's no such thing as no design. Everything is design. A lot of it is bad. Some of it is, most of it hopefully is in the good range, and there's some that's just like, wow, that's amazing, right? What we want to do is help go from bad design to good design because it matters. And so we're going to talk today about why good design matters and why it is important for the church to be intentional on good design. And then we're going to talk about some principles. What are some high-level sort of principles that help us lay live in that good design range and then we'll pull out canva and we'll actually design a few things and just show you how that may work in your world using the, the free tool canva there's a couple more spots there's one here and there's one there come on in all right so i always like to start with the why question and to me if for the church the why starts theologically and so if you look at scripture and you open up to the first page and you read the first sentence in the scriptures, in the beginning, God created. The very first verb in the Bible that describes God in an action sort of thing is God created. Now, the way he creates is very different than the way we create, but that is an aspect of who God is. God is a creative being. He is a designer. He is a creative. That's one of the many facets of who God is. It's part of his character. It's part of his nature. It's how he operates. He's a creative being. And so when he created man, Genesis 1.27, when God created man in his own image, 
in the image of God, he created him, male and female, which means that you and I, we bear some of that quality, some of that characteristics of God when he created man. He put some of that in us. That's the communicable versus incommunicable attributes of God. There are some attributes of God that he placed in some degree, in his created human beings, you and I, we bear the image of God. And part of that is the ability to create. We are creative beings. Now, some people are creative with numbers. Some people are creative with problem solving. Some people are creative with pixels. Some people are creative with pencils and pens. Some people are creative with digital. Right? We're all creative. We may be creative differently. But as part of who human beings are, it's the way God made us. Animals don't do this. Animals don't create out of the just pure for the form of creation. Humans do. And the reason we do is because we bear the image of God. And because we bear the image of God, we should be creative. And I like how John Piper put it in his Don't Waste Your Life article. It says, if you're God, then your work is to create out of nothing. Ex nihilo. He creates from nothing. As a matter of fact, Genesis 1, in the beginning God created is the Hebrew word bara, which is a word only used to describe the acts of God. God creates from nothing. But if you are not God, but like God, you bear his image, that is, you are human, then your work is to take what God has made, shape it, and use it to make him look great. So design matters. The creative process matters. And those, the, the creatives matter. I'll give you an example of how I know this is important. When God prepared Moses to create the tabernacle, God gave very specific guidelines on how to create the tabernacle. Particular size, particular dimensions, particular pieces of furniture, particular structures. And here's what I find interesting. In Exodus chapter 31, when God tells Moses to create the tabernacle, what he does not do is say, I've got some engineers over here that I want you to go get the engineers and let them engineer this thing. I've got some math people or a committee or a group. He says, I have an artist that I have filled with the Spirit to craft the creative beauty of this thing. Right? Exodus 31. Bezalel is one of my heroes. He's the kind of person that most people don't know about in the Bible because you only see him a couple times in the Scripture, but when you see him, he is attributed as being an artist, a designer, a creative. Exodus 31 says, The Lord said to Moses, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. And I would argue, parenthetical, this is free, I would argue that creative arts is possibly a spiritual gift. Some people have this incredible gift that God has equipped them with. Bezalel did. He was filled with the Spirit of God with ability and intelligence and knowledge and all craftsmanship. Why? To devise artistic designs. Working in gold and silver and bronze and stones and setting them and carving wood and every craft. So when God said, let's build the tabernacle, let's build the place that is going to be my habitation, my dwelling place among the people. I want you to use Bezalel because he is a craftsman and an artist. And what I want created to represent my dwelling with you needs to be done well at this level. It matters. Design matters. The act in which we create things 
matters. It matters because God is creative. It matters because that's how God has wired us. And there's a theological implication, I believe, that teaches us that good design matters for the church. Now, there's an impact that good design has. Things that are designed well connect to our soul. Things that are well designed bring out emotion. Something that's well designed can bring tears to your eyes, can rile you up with anger. What is more amazing than a beautiful sunset? When God designs this gradient of green, uh, uh, pinks and reds and oranges and this, right? It just, when we create things, design well-designed things can connect to our soul. Well-designed things can motivate us, inspire us. They can evoke change. Here's an interesting project for you to kind of take on one time. Begin looking through history, especially from the Reformation on, at major events in history where there was huge shifts in society, huge social shifts. And you will find that in every instance, there was an intellectual debate, an intellectual discussion, intellectual process taking place, but the catalyst of change happened when people began using design, creating art, creating graphics, illustrations that helped evoke the response it impacted the movement. Design matters. It communicates ideas. Design, we're going to talk more specifically about this in a moment, but design is nothing more than nonverbal communication. It is nonverbal communication. That's what it is. And it is a way in which we communicate a message nonverbally. And we use Ill images and graphics to do so. So there's a nonverbal verbal. I've talked to pastors about this. This is an argument I give to pastors all the time. Pastor, you spend hours preparing for a sermon. You study. You script it out. You write it out. You take an outline. You have 10, 12, 15, 20, 40 hours. I don't know how long. In a sermon that you've prepared for Sunday morning to get up and verbally communicate that to the church. And you want to see people respond. You want to see people respond to that sermon. And you do so with passion and with emotion. And then you take the transcript of that sermon that you worked on and you hand it off to somebody and you say, hey, can you post this to Instagram or put this on the internet somewhere, send this out in the newsletter? And they just post it out. And there's been no fault to how that's designed. That wouldn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. If, we, if we're going to spend time and effort in the verbal communication, we should spend time and effort in the nonverbal communication. And that's what design is. And that is why it matters. And I also believe that good design is important and imperative in communicating the gospel. It is imperative that we use good design. First Corinthians, as Paul is writing to the church at Corinthians at Corinth, he tells them that you need to understand that the gospel, by its very nature, is a stumbling block to some and foolishness to others. The very nature of Christ crucified is by its very at the very core level, it is offensive, it is a stumbling block, it is a hindrance in and of itself. The message of what Christ has done on the cross for us, his death, his resurrection, so that we can now have a relationship with God is absolutely a difficult thing for people in our world to grasp and understand. The gospel itself 
is a stumbling block. He says in 1 Corinthians, For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God is pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jew asks for signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, which is a stumbling block to the Jew, and it is foolishness to the Gentiles. The gospel itself is already a barrier. Let us not add another barrier with really bad design. Bad design adds another barrier to people hearing the gospel. Because if they don't like what they're looking at, they're not going to read it. They're not going to engage with it. They're not going to connect with it. And you're not going to get them. 2015, Adobe did a series of surveys and some research specifically about the state of design. And so Adobe published the report in 2015. I want to show you, I want to highlight three key pieces of information out of this study. This is 2015, so we're about four years removed from this, so it's gotten even stronger, I would argue. Time-starved, skeptical consumers, i.e. the people who need to know about Jesus, especially millennials, right? So your 20s and under group, right? Those that are on the Instagram. They want content that is beautifully designed. And if you will notice, 66% of the people surveyed in this survey said that if it's not beautifully designed, I'm not even going to click it, I'm not going to read it, I'm not going to look at it, I'm going to the next thing. Now, just think about that for the sake of the gospel. I have an incredibly well-articulated gospel presentation. And I want people to see it and engage with it. And I plast a graphic on Instagram that says something, right? Hey, let's, and it's not well designed. The data says that 66% of the time they're going to just scroll right past it. They're not even going to look at it. I ain't got time for that. The message is great, but how it looks prevents people from even looking and engaging with the message. Consumers, the people who need the gospel, I'm not talking about gospel consumer, church consumerism. I'm talking about the people who are unchurched, who are unsaved, who are lost. Those people, consumers, prioritize display and design when viewing content across their platforms. They prioritize it. Right? When you look at these numbers here, they're all in the 60% higher in terms of importance to them, and they're all design-related. Can it fit in my hand? Can I look at it on my phone? How does it look like on my phone? If your website for your church is not mobile responsive, they'll land on it and go, ooh, and they'll go straight away. They won't, even, they, won't, they won't even stay on it because it doesn't work in the device that they're looking at it on. If your video content won't play on YouTube and they can't watch it on their phone, it don't matter how, you could spend millions of dollars developing the content, but if it doesn't look good on their device, design matters. Consumers, those who need the gospel, will switch devices or stop engaging altogether if it's not designed well or doesn't display well on their device. 73% value content, layout, and design and imagery over anything. We have the greatest message. We have the message that is life-changing, life 
altering. We have a message of the gospel of hope for this people. And if we do not design the information that we put out there well, people are not going to engage. They're not going to look at it. They are not going to participate. They'll never hear the gospel from our content. Good design matters. Good design matters. And the role of the creative in the church is to enhance worship and remove distractions. That is our job as creatives. When we create content, if it doesn't enhance the worship experience, don't use it. If it doesn't remove distractions, don't use it. Don't do it. This is our job. Creatives, people who are using the creative arts, enhance the worship experience, whether in the room or out of the room. You and I I hope we're on the same page. Worship is not just the thing that happens from 11 to 11.25 in the singing. That's not the only time worship happens. It happens on Tuesday morning when we're at the office, right? Worship happens. Worship. We are to enhance worship wherever it happens and we're to remove distractions. And good design does that. So, I want to give you four or five very basic rules of good design, right? These are the these are the these are very basic primers of good design. If you will do these things, then you'll at least leave the category of bad design, and you'll be in the this sort of bucket of okay, at least that's good, okay, not offensive or terrible. So I'm give you a few basic principles. Number one, it is a nonverbal communication. Nonverbal communication. So we always need to think this is about visuals, okay? So the first thing with visuals is understanding symmetry. Now with symmetry, there are two basic types of symmetry. There's asymmetry and symmetry, right? Things can have symmetrical. They can be in a column up and down. They kind of follow some sort of natural balance or things that are really off kilter, out of way. Now either are fine. There just needs to be intentionality. Now. Symmetrical things tend to be balanced. They tend to sort of fit the way they're, humans are symmetrical. We have a midline, we have the things on the right side that's pretty much like the things on the left side, right? There's, there's about nature tends to create things that are symmetrical. So things that are symmetrical tend to be balanced. They tend to be fairly common. When people see things that are well balanced and have symmetry, it, it immediately sort of connects to them. Things that are asymmetrical are out of balance, and they're intentionally out of balance, but they evoke action and motion and movement. So sometimes things being asymmetrical is important because we're talking about nonverbal communication. I want something that looks very active, like things are moving. And maybe I need to divide, design something that's asymmetrical. I want it to be clean and clear, and be, maybe it needs to be symmetrical. Right? So think symmetry. I have a tendency to lean towards symmetrical design. I like things to feel balanced. I like things to have a somewhat order to them. You know, I like things to look like they're gonna stand up as opposed to like they're about to fall over. I like symmetry, but a lot of great designers like asymmetry. Second principle is the grid. Now this is one of those uh, things that, <coughs> this is a little higher level thinking when you think about design. But you need to understand a basic grid of what you're creating. Now, the grid is simply a design placement. It's simply an understanding of structure, of how things line up, what the um, arrangement and order of things should be. 
it allows you to keep things consistent. Right? It allows you to line things up so they're always aligned on the left margin or the right margin. It allows, allows you to have the right same distance between things so that things are well balanced. If you're using print, the grid is very important with print. Super important with your worship guide. Super important with your bulletin. Because super important with email. Super important with, with web. Um, because the grid helps keep things structured and organized and laid in correctly. As a general rule of thumb, you want a 12 column grid. Because a 12 column grid is divisible by two, by three, by four, by six. Right, which means you can take up an object can take up two lines, or it can take up three lines, it can take up four columns, and it'll all stay aligned. All right? So grid. Think about a grid when you're laying stuff out. It keeps things nice and orderly. All right? And when we look at Canva, Canva has some really basic grid. I'll show you some of those when we get to Canva. Hierarchy. Hierarchy is super important with design. Hierarchy provides you with a visual order of importance. What is the most important thing on your, on your graphic? Then that needs to be the biggest. What's the next most important thing? That needs to be the next biggest, right? What's the third most important thing? That needs to be the smallest. And if you're creating a graphic for the worship center, like you'll be on the slides inside your church, that's all you should have, three, no more than three. All right, if it's going on print, there's a whole other set of parameters. But as a general rule, you want to understand the visual hierarchy. The biggest thing needs to be the most important thing. And it just, and it great because it should help the, the eye. As I look at something, the thing that I want you to see should be the thing that my eye is drawn to. And then the next thing should be the next, right? Now, it doesn't just have to be in one, on top of one another. It could be structured a different way. But you want to make sure that you have a hierarchy because that provides the visual cue, nonverbal communication. It provides the visual cue to the audience of here's what I want you to look at first, and then I want you to look at this, and then I want you to look at this. And a hierarchy helps you do that. All right? So you kind of should have a hierarchy. As a general rule of thumb, you should develop a hierarchy that governs everything. So if you're creating graphics for web, they all, you, okay, this is always 60 point, this is always 48 point, this is always 24 point. And if someone creates something and it's not one of those, you send it back to them and say, that's supposed to be 60 point. That's supposed to be 48 point, right? You develop a standard, right? But it's it's a hierarchy. Develop a standard and stick to it. This is a free piece of information. Develop graphic and design standards for your church. And when somebody creates something that doesn't follow the standards, throw it in the trash and say, go do it again. That doesn't work. Because when you have a standard, you, you raise your game. Everything that you create looks better. So whether the youth pastor does it, or the worship pastor does it, or the lead pastor does it, or the secretary does it, or the assistant does it, everybody has the same guidelines, and it all looks like it came from the same place. If you don't have guidelines, it looks willy-nilly, and everything looks like a hodgepodge, and I don't know if that goes with this church or that church. I don't know, because it just is all over. Have some structure and enforce that structure. <laughs> a little fleshly, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> When if you will, the first time someone brings you something to review that doesn't fit the guidelines, if you'll take it and you'll put it through the shredder, that really is a passive aggressive way. That's a very visual way to say, 
you aren't following the guidelines. I'm just saying. Now, I've heard that's happened before, but it works. All right? Here's another one. Fonts. All right. Um, my brother, if you know my brother, he's a coffee snob, right? Like, if it's not this. Font. I'm, a, I'm kind of a font snob. Fonts are important and they matter, okay? But if your bulletin has more than two fonts on it, if it has more than three fonts on it, that's bad design. If your bulletin or your worship guide, if your website has more than three fonts on it, you've got some problems. If your graphics that you're creating and posting online have more than two fonts on them, you aren't designing well. Fonts matter. And just because it's in your drop-down selection doesn't mean you should use it. You should never. Now, rules are meant to be broken, okay? So I'll give you a rule, and this rule can be broken. But you should never use papyrus. You should never use Comic Sans. And if it's going to be something that you are creating to put out for someone, please don't use Times New Roman, Arial, or Helvetica. It's not that there's anything inherently wrong with those fonts. It's that they're everywhere. Like when you send an email, it's going to be Times New Roman, Arial, or Helvetica. Why create that in a cool graphic that you're putting online somewhere? Use a different font. Use Open Sans. Use a, use a nice, good, clean, bold font or something. It's not that Helvetica or Times New Roman is bad, like Calme Sands. It's just that it's everywhere. So use a good font. You've got good options in front of you. If you really want some good fonts, go to Google Fonts. And they're free. You can download them and put them on your computer. And you can look at some of the top fonts that people are using in design. And they're really great. And they look good. And they print well. And they go on social well. They're excellent. Okay? So be thoughtful on your fonts. Fonts have character to them. They, have, they, they help communicate mood. If you want something that's sort of fun and lighthearted, then don't use a big block letter, right? Use something that's kind of got some whimsy to it. If you want something that's really professional, then don't use a hand script letter, right? Because the, the font has emotion and feeling, and it carries personality with it. So think about fonts. Here's the grid guideline. Here's the guideline thing. At our church, we say that if you're going to print something, it needs to be in one. We have a list of fonts that are approved. You can use one of these fonts, right? So if you're going to create something that's going to be imprinted, those are the fonts you can create for your graphics for the web or graphics for social media. If it's anything other than those fonts, you need to talk to the graphics ninja because she may not let you use it. Right? It's a, we just have. We're just trying to say, for our church, we want things to look a certain way so that whether the youth pastor does it or anybody else does it, it has a, it looks like it came from our church. So we have limited the fonts. We have access to thousands of them, but we only use a very few handful. And we use the same font family. It's like right now, we're using Gotham for all, a lot of our stuff. But you can use Gotham Book or Gotham Thin or Gotham, and it's got... So it has a different feel to it, different weight to it, but it's just Gotham. So it's a family of fonts, and they all kind of work. It's clean, it's got nice edges to it, it's sharp and crisp. It's, it's just, it makes things look like it came from your church. So every time they see it, they go, oh, that must be from Calvary. Because you're building a guideline to it, right? Um, 
embrace the white space. Like when you create something, you don't necessarily have to go, hey, well, here's a spot up here. Let's put something over here. Oh, here's something over here. You don't have to like fill every square inch. Right? Embrace the, let it breathe. Let it, let it have some room. Let it have enough room that someone's eye can move around the page or move around the graphic. So you don't have to fill it in. Embrace, like this guy here, this beef, these salt and light. Look at, all that, look at all that white space. Just all that space around it, right? Just embrace the white space. You don't have to fill up every square inch. Let there be room. Like that one in the middle has got a lot of stuff happening. Rules are meant to be broken. You can break the rules if it's designed well. But use, embrace the white space. Don't feel like you have to fill up every square inch of what you're creating. It can breathe. Give it room. Another rule, understand resolution. Now, whenever you create graphics, whenever you do work, graphics are either going to fall into a raster image or a vector image. A raster image is an image that is made up of individual pixels. It is a fixed size and a fixed dimension. And if you try to scale it up, it gets really edgy and gnarly. Right? Vector graphics are based off of geometric points in space. So this is a dot on an XY on an XY coordinate system, and it's this dot, this dot, this dot, and that can scale up or down however you want to, and it stays nice and clean. Examples of raster images are .jpg, .pngs, .gifs, or gifs, however you pronounce it, right? Those are rastered images. So if it's that big, it can only be that big. You can't scale it up to that big because it's going to be soft and fuzzy and the edges will be all weird and nasty. Right? You want vector artwork for your print. Like if you're going to send something off to the printer and they're going to print you your worship guides, don't send them a bunch of JPEGs because it'll print like that big. You want, you want vector artwork. If you're going to make a big banner, if you're going to hang up somewhere, it needs to be vector. Vectors are .eps files, .ai files, right? It needs to be vector. They're very different. If something is created for the web, whether it be email, social media, website, if it's going to, if it's going to display on a screen, no matter how you make it, it's always going to display at 72 dpi. That's the nature of a screen. That's not technically true because some of your high-definition screens now have double pixels, so it's 150 dpi, but 72 dpi. If it's in print, it's 300 dpi. Everything you run through a copier, everything you run through a printer, everything you send to a printer, it's going to be printed at 300 dpi. Right? Your graphics need to match the way it's going to be delivered. If you're going to deliver it visually through some kind of display, it needs to be designed at 72 dpi. If it's going to be in print, it needs to be created and designed at 300 dpi. Now you can create a 300 in down res, but you can't create a 72 in up res, unless it's vector. But if it's vector, it's not a raster size anyway. Okay? So, let's take some of these principles. Symmetry, hierarchy, spots, options, right? Understanding a grid, white space. Let's take some of these basics and let's go into Canva and let's create something. Alright? So, your youth pastor has given you the following information. 
and said, hey, I need a graphic to go in the worship center or the church service to go on the screen to let parents know that we have this thing coming up. And they sent you an email, and here's all the information they sent you. They said, hey, we're doing a student ministry winter retreat. We're going to Snowbird Wilderness. Anybody know where Snowbird? Anybody been to Snowbird? Snowbird's awesome. So anyway, if you've never been, it's a great place to camp. It's awesome. For student ministry, do a lot of student stuff. We're going to Snowbird's Winter's Outfitters. We're going to go skiing. It's December 29th through the 1st. Middle school, high school students. Registration needs is required. It costs $150 to go. All right? This is all the information they gave you. Now, can we put all of that information on a graphic that we're going to put in the church service in the worship center to rotate? The answer is no. No, we do not. We can't put all the information. We need a hierarchy, right? So we need to know what's the most important, what's the second most important, what's the third most important, and then all the other information, we send them somewhere. Right? Hey, put this on a website somewhere and send them to the website. Put this in print and send them to the information center. Send them to the vestibule, wherever, they, wherever you got your information. Send them there to get all the other information. Send them there to register, right? Send them there. Go talk to your youth pastor. But what's going on the screen, we need to... I, so, of this information, if we know it's going in our church service to rotate on the screens, right? And its intended audience is to let parents know that this thing is happening. What are the three and only three most important pieces of information? The date, the cost. Date, cost. And what it is, student ministry retreat. I mean, you gotta have a title. Okay, so we need a title. What should be the title? Okay, so this maybe should be the title. So that's our first piece. What's our second piece? The date. And where they're going. Right. Cost. All right, so this is what I've identified. Okay. Again, this is what the, your church may say we need. Well, this is for our audience. We they need to know this. This is the most important thing. All right. So if I were to weed out, these are the pieces of information that I would want. Potentially all of this, but this is what I'm thinking are the three pieces of information. This is for the student ministry winter retreat. This is when it is, and you need to register. And it's going to cost you some money. Right? That's what mom or dad want to know. When is it? And does this is it free or do I have to pay for this? Because if I gotta pay for this, Johnny, you ain't going, right? I don't know what it is, right? They mom and dad want to know this. Okay? So, student ministry winter retreat. Here's the date, and it costs you some money. Alright. Let's go to Canva. Safe. Let's go to Canva. <clears throat> Here's Canva. How many of you have ever used Canva before? Okay, a few of you, good, excellent. So let me give you a quick little overview of what it is, and then I'll, we'll design this graphic for our worship center in Canva. Okay, from scratch. Like the one I already got there. Shh, don't look. I did this last week. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Canva, it's a free application. You create an account. doesn't cost you anything. Um, if you are fortunate, you can actually apply as a nonprofit to Canva, and they will give you the paid version for free. 
I've tried to do that three times now and have got zero response from Canva. Other people have applied and they've gotten it. So I don't know what the secret to that is, but you can get the free version to Canvas. What we're going to do today is we're going to create a design and we're going to create like a presentation graphic, something that's kind of that 16 by 9 wide frame that will go in our worship site. So we're going to create this graphic, right? So this is what we're going to do. This is our palette that opens up. And let's just begin to create. I don't have a template selected. This is just a, a blank canvas. So over here on the left side, Canva creates a whole bunch of templates. These are things that are already structured. They have colors. They have fonts. They have a variety of things already built into them. And you can just simply click and say, hey, I like that one. That looks kind of cool. And then it gives you the various options for this presentation. And you can say, hey, that would work. And when you click it, it automatically loads. And then you can drop your pieces of information in it. So it kind of pre-builds some things. And Canva is built following the basic rules of design. There's symmetry, there's hierarchy, there's these things already built into these templates. So it kind of helps short circuit that process for us, okay? Um, we also have the ability to access photos. Now Canva for free comes with a range of photos already built into the software that you can click. They're free. You don't have any royalties associated with them. And if you like a picture, hey, that kind of looks fun. I can put, click it. It'll drop it right into my canvas and I can scale it by dragging the little handles on the end and make it fit where I want you. And I could use that graphic, that photo within some piece of artwork that I'm creating, right? also have various elements. Now elements are sort of buckets of additional pieces of information. So like this is a bucket that has all kinds of shapes. Like if I need some squares, I need some talk bubbles, right? It's already, they're already created for you. There's a variety of these shapes you can have. One that I want you to be aware of is this one called grids. As we talked about earlier that you should have some kind of grid structure. Canva already has built into here a series of just structured grids, right? And if you were to click one, let's say we click uh, this guy right here. Now, what these little cartoon-looking things are, are they're placeholders. So this is already laid into follow a basic grid. And now I have placeholders where I can put graphics, or I can put text, or I can put uh, color, or whatever I want to kind of lay things in. And so this is how you can make sure that you're following a basic grid for your graphics for web or social media or print or screens or whatever, okay? So grids are very helpful here. You also have an area for text. Again, they understand the principles of design. So you have hierarchy built into sort of these. So for example, this guy here, which is just a basic title, header, or paragraph text. You've got three, most header one, header two, paragraph three, right? Just built in. And some of these already have some really interesting font selections for you. They're already designed. They already have some sort of short circuit the design process here. It already has a hierarchy, right? Second tier, third tier, right? It's already kind of got some structure for you, and it's got some good fonts. You're not looking at Comic Sans or Times New Roman or some of these others. They're really nice, well-designed, and thoughtful things. But if you need something that's a little bit more whimsy or something that's a little bit more interesting, maybe it's a um, some kind of I don't know, thing you're doing, maybe a women's ministry thing or a thing that you're doing out for the, I don't know, you, you got scripted fonts already built in. They already have some structure and design to them. It has backgrounds, so you can select from that are already built in. Some that have color, some that have texture, some that have shape, some that have um, scenics, variety of texture backgrounds you already can use. 
they're free to use, click them, drop them right in. But you also can upload things. So let's say you have your own logo, your church logo, or some of your church graphics. Maybe your youth group has a logo, or you have some things that are part of your grant, your, your brand, your church information. You can upload that information and you can use it within your graphics. And it'll save it to Canvas. So every time you log back in, they're in that folder. They're in that structure for you. Um, if you have paid versions, you can kind of organize things a little bit. You can share them out with other people. But if you're on the free version, it just it's just for you to see them. You can organize your content. I like these graphics. These are the ones I like the best. These are things for this ministry, things for that ministry. You can create them in little folders, sort of organize them for down the road. Uh, and then there's some other options that add some different features, or you can pay to add certain things to it. But this is basics of, of, of Canva. Right. So I want to also show you a. How many of you have a photographer that is on staff for your church? <laughs> that would be you. All right. So most most of you are like, oh, I don't, I, we don't have. So here's, a, I want you to be aware of a website. You may be aware. Of, I want to show you a website. Unsplash. Am I free with Unsplash? Unsplash is a website that has incredible photography, beautiful photography. Professional guys creating photo, photographs and uploading them to Unsplash, and you can use them royalty free. Right? The license for Unsplash is that it is royalty free, commercial use. You don't have to attribute the photo. They ask, "Hey, would you mind attributing for the photo?" But you can you according to the, you can read the license. I encourage you to realize I am not an attorney, nor do I play one on television. I'm just giving you right. You can use the graphics. Okay, these are beautiful photos, high quality, excellent. So if you're doing something and you need a photograph, go to Unsplash and do a search for that photo. You can find all kinds of great pictures, scenic beauties. Now, as a general rule of thumb, I recommend that you never put faces on your graphics of people that aren't actually part of your church. Okay, it's just a Pet people of mine. It's a recommendation that if you go to Unsplash, you do a search and you get a thing that's got a whole, whole bunch of people standing around. If those people aren't actually in your church, then it kind of doesn't really represent your church. And you post that on social media somewhere, the impression is, hey, come to our church because this is what we're like. So as a general rule of thumb, I don't recommend that you post pictures with people, especially faces, if these people aren't actually in your church, right? And so when you go to Unsplash and if you do a search for something and you get a bunch of pictures and it just, that's how I kind of filter things through. Okay, so let's go to, Uns we're going to Unsplash and we're going to grab a photo because we don't have in our photo library, we don't have a ski or mountainy kind of picture. So let's go to Unsplash and we're going to do a search. We're going to ski, right? Because right, we're going to winter tree, we're going to skiing, let's see if we can find something that looks like skiing. I see a bunch of stuff with people in it, but like this picture here, I don't know who that guy is. Right? I, 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 yeah, your students will be able to do this in one weekend, right? So, let, you know, we're looking for a picture. We want to find something that looks kind of interesting. Right, that maybe we could use. And a lot of these are a picture. Now that could possibly be an interesting picture, going skiing, right? Go down the ski slope. But as I look at the picture, I'm also thinking I gotta put words on top of this thing. 
uh, maybe that's not quite going to work. So I keep looking. That's kind of an interesting picture. You could put words on top of that one, right? That could possibly work. Um, although Snowbird doesn't look anything like that because it's not the, the Rockies. Um, all right, so maybe, hey, that's kind of an interesting one, right? That's kind of an interesting graphic that you might could kind of pull something, especially if it was a little more off to the right or off to the left. That could work, all right? So at the end of the day, what we're not trying to do is find a photo that when we go, okay, we're going to put graphics on top of it, what could work? Now, that one might could work. That's kind of interesting, all right? We're going to create a graphic that's horizontal, and this picture is vertical. And that might be a problem when we try to put it in our graphic and lay something out, but it's kind of interesting, but is that the one? I don't know. So as I look at skiing, I'm finding some limitations with the graphics I don't really like. So what if I did something just, what if I just search for snow? That's kind of a fun picture. Yeah. Maybe that could work. Right? That says a lot, doesn't it? Without saying anything. It's kind of a, interesting if we're in South Georgia like we are now, the idea of snow. <laughs> right? That could work. Right? That's an interesting picture. It looks like I've got plenty of space. I could put some text on top of it and it not really undermine the, gra the photo. It could work. So that could work. So let's, we'll, we'll kind of keep that one in mind. Um, again, similar kind of thing with this one. i got snowfall happening. A little tree off to the side. That could work. I could put graphics on top of that and it kind of worked. Um, so let's go with this snowflake one. That kind of is fun. So we're going to click download. And now it's downloaded to my computer. So I'm going to pull it up here so I can see it. I'm going to go back into Canva. I'm going to go to my uploads. And now I'm going to take this photo and I'm going to drag it into the uploads. And it now is there. So now when I click it, it drops into my canvas and it doesn't quite fill the space so I'm going to drag the handles so that it fills the space. I'm going to position it a little bit. Alright, so I have a background picture. Now within Canva I have the ability if I wanted to tweak the color a bit I can do that, right? So if I click on my photo up here I now have some options. I can select color and I can add some color to it. I, if I hit filter, I can select some pre-built kind of like Instagram or Facebook type filters. I can pull some filters onto it. I can actually hit the adjustment and I can literally dial in some layered adjustments on my colors, my contrast. I could pull some kind of color palette. So maybe, um, maybe you have a a particular design direction that you're going with your student ministries. Maybe your student ministry tends to always do things in a in an orange tone, or they tend to youth pastor really likes things that look kind of purple. I don't know. You can take your photo and you can kind of give it a style using the filters, and you can give it a look. You can make it kind of feel that it matches your youth pastor, your youth department. Maybe you maybe you like to have some kind of texture. You can lay some texture on, right? You can play with this a bit to get it to feel more. I think what we're going to do is I like it to, I would like, my own personal, is I like it a little bit more contrasting, right? Pull the brightness down because I don't like text on top of it. So I want to pull the brightness down a little bit. I want to increase the contrast to pull. I think I may pull the saturation up because I want it really pop, but I want the color to be a little bit more 
maybe in the red tone, just a little warmer. Eh, it's wintery, let's make it cool. And then I'm also, because I know I'm going to put text on, I'm just going to blur just a dollop so that snowflake is not so crisp. I just, um, now, now it's personal potato, tomato, right, potato. Just going to blur just a touch, just a little bit of blur to that so it's not so crisp. And so that's, I like that, right? You can play with it, kind of get it the way you want to get the look that you want for this thing. All right, so now we have a background that would work for our graphic. Now we need to add text. So I'm going to go here to the text layer and have a whole lot of options to pick from. Because it's the youth ministry, I want something that probably kind of has an a little edginess to it, something that's not so just perfect corporate, right? So I want to find something in here that kind of has an interesting feel. Um, what does that look like? Is that too too childish? Is that kind of too childish, man? Right, good, all right. So that doesn't look kind of right. Um, let's see, what if we went with something like about like that. Do those are those kind of still don't feel right to me. Does it feel right to you? No, it doesn't feel right to me either, so we'll pull that one out. And pop that to a white color so it pops off easier. That kind of feels interesting. That feels interesting to me works well with what we're doing. Alright, so what's the most important thing we need to say? What it, what, what, it is. what it is, right? What are we calling it? What are we going to call it? Ski retreat. Ski retreat. Now, we need to know who it's for. Students. Students. Alright. So we'll call this, um, we call it a winter retreat, right? So what if we did winter retreat? Now, it doesn't fill the screen, so I'm going to grab this handle here. I'm going to slide that out. And maybe up above it here in this text that's here, we do student ministry. And we're going to make that a little bit bigger, right? Because I want that font to be bigger. Right now it's only 19. Maybe we make it like 32. Maybe even bigger than that. There we go. And I want it to be white as well. Right? So I have student ministry. But now... When you grab one of these layer text layers and you drop it in, it kind of groups it all together. But I would like student ministry to kind of sit right on top of winter retreat. So if I come up here to this little ungroup button, I hit ungroup. Now each of these are separated out. So now if I click that, I can drag that down. I can sit that like right there, right? So now that, that feels more like my headline is the student ministry is doing a winter retreat. All right, so I got those two pieces. Now, what's the next piece of information that we would say is super critical? The date. Okay. So let's come here to this guy. December. I want to make it white so I can read it. 29th through January 1. Again, I think the font is too small. Again, I'm looking, thinking about... Where's this going to be displayed? It's going to be displayed in the church service, in the worship center as a pre-roll of slides or whatever. So it needs to be big. We have a standard that says we're going to use whatever it was, 56-point font, right? So we have a date. What other piece of information would we say is vital? Cost. 
Okay. Now, do we want to put the actual price? This is a question that you have to ask yourself. Do I want to really put $150 inside the room or do I want to put registration required? I mean, what do we want to do? Fee, just tell them it's going to cost them something and give them that information later. I mean, these are part of the editorial process we have to think through. What do we, how do we want this communicated in the room? Maybe you do want to just say registration costs $150. Maybe you don't. What we'll do is we'll say... Registration and fee due by. Okay, so we'll say registration required. Is that the right kind of information we need to say at the end? This like, if I see, I'm thinking mom or dad in the room. Hey, oh, there's a winter retreat. It's on this weekend. Like, what else is necessary at that moment? Go for the details. That's what I think. Like, I think I would rather say. Go to the website retreat for more information. Right? That because of what I at this graphic, what I want this thing to do, the graphic needs to say, here it do does this does this thing matter to me? Right? Or can I just ignore it? Okay, it's a student thing. All right, the kids are involved. Okay, I need to pay attention to this. This is the time we're doing it. Okay, I think that kind of works, but I need more information. Great, you need more information. I'm just trying to get your interest so that you can go here and get the rest of the details. And if you go to the website, slash tag retreat, you can get the dates, the time, the registration link, the cost of this event, who to talk to, where to talk to them, when to meet, where to meet. All that information is there. Right? Or maybe maybe you don't have this on the website. Maybe you have some kind of printed piece of paper that's got all this information, and it's on the information table in the Welcome Center. Well, maybe then more, um, I wouldn't say more information. I would say uh, Welcome Center. I don't know. I don't like that either. How would I word that? Uh, information. Information flyer. <laughs> oh, yeah. C. Frank. Right? Whatever, right? That's right. That's right. Visitors, right? Whatever it is, um, information center. Right? You want to put something, right? If the information is going to be printed and it's going to be in some location for them to get that information, I want to tell them where to go get it. But what the graphic is doing is simply saying, Hey, if you're in the student ministry, there's this thing happening on this date, and we want you to know more about it. Right? So we've designed it so that it kind of captures a mood. This is nonverbal communication, right? Oh, this is winter. It's cold. Okay. What are we doing, right? Student ministry winter retreat. Oh, great. It's this weekend. Oh, wonderful. Okay, I need to get more information about that to see if Johnny can go. Right? I'm not trying to do the whole thing. I'm not trying to give you a, a flyer. I'm not trying to create a poster with all this information on it, inside the room, I'm trying to hit a particular person. I need mom or dad to go, oh, students, Johnny needs to know about this. When is it? Oh, okay, it's over New Year's. Great. I'll get some more information about it. You're trying to sort of whet the appetite for information, not fill every piece of it, because you've got about 10 or 12 seconds, and it's going to go away. So, and if you're scrolling, if they're on Instagram or Facebook and they're scrolling, You've got however long it takes to slide right past your screen. So it needs to be enough that makes them go, whoa, let me slow down a bit. What does that say? Right? So you have to think about where you're going to use this information. So if I were doing this on social media, I would probably put near this much information on the graphic. 
I'd probably put something that just screamed retreat or students or ski. I probably wouldn't even use this graphic. I'd probably use some graphic of somebody skiing, jumping out of an airplane on a ski lift or something. Like, you want to go or something? Just, I need them, if I'm scrolling, I need them to, whoa, stop. What was that? So you've got it. When you're designing things, you have to think about where is this going to be used and what is going to be the most effective way to get the attention to communicate what needs to be told. Again, nonverbal communication. Just make sense? Any questions so far at this point on this? Like, is this making sense from a design point of view? What to do? Understanding the scope and the purpose of how it's done. If this was on a newsletter or something, could it have more information? Because it's going to be more static. Right. So if it's a newsletter, you'd probably design it differently. Um, if it's a newsletter, I probably would have less text on the graphic. Right, so think about for think about the place, the placement where you're going to put it. If you're going to put this on social media, you go Facebook graphic, right? And you have a graphic on Facebook, and then you've got that whole area. You can put all kind of text. You can type a book, right? I don't need text on the graphic. The graphic is a attention getter. I just need to stop the scroll long enough for you to stop and read what I've given you, right? So maybe the graphic, if it's on social media, so maybe if instead of for the screens, this is for social media. If I were doing this for social media, I'd probably use a different... So if I were doing this for Facebook or Instagram, I would go back here, and I want something that's just kind of really exciting. So if I were doing this for, for that, I would probably grab like this picture. Because that is a pretty dynamic picture. You see that kind of thing, it's going to at least pause you for a moment, right? So let's say, let's download this one. So I'm going to go back into Canva. And this time, instead of doing a presentation slide, I'm going to do one for social media. So I'm doing an Instagram post, right? So this is going to be a square graphic, okay? So now I'm going to grab my graphic that I just downloaded. This picture, I'm going to go to my uploads. And I'm going to upload this picture here. And drop it in and scale it up. And I want to play a little asymmetric. I want to drag him maybe right almost off the edge of the screen because I want to put something right here. All right. All right. So I've got him on the screen. Now I'm thinking Instagram, right? I'm thinking Instagram or Facebook because it's a square graphic. I'm post on Facebook as well. I'm going to post this to my church Instagram account. And what I want to happen is when they scroll and they get to this picture, they stop. So what do I put on this graphic that will help them stop? Stop sign. Rick, stop. Are you in? What's a... Are you in is a little bit more interesting. What would be kind of a, a skiing kind of language, vernacular, term, or something. Shred. Go sh let's shred, right? All right, so let's find a, an interesting, maybe for this, I'd want something that kind of has a bit of an edge to it, right? I want something that's kind of, mm, I'm looking. That's kind of interesting. The spirit night, maybe? Does that work? So I don't want all this other stuff, so I'm going to ungroup it, and I'm going to click that, I don't want that, I'm delete it. I don't want that, right? I just want this, and I'm going to turn it white. I may, may, I may use this sort of red color in the ski, 
So in here, you can click the plus sign, you can kind of play around with the color. So let's kind of play with that. Maybe it's like that, right? So I want to use that color, right? Spirit Night. But I want to say Spirit Night, let's say a shred. Let's shred. Oh, man. Right? Something like that. That'd be me. Or, yeah. Or maybe you in. That's right. That's right. Right? I don't know. Something like that. Bring your knees straight, That's right. That's right. Or maybe it says, um, break a leg. Right? I don't know. Right? The idea, the, the idea here is I'm going to post this to Instagram or, or whatever, and as they're scrolling through, I want this image to cause them to go, huh, wait, stop. Because what I want them to do is read the post. Make sense? Maybe I'm doing a Bible study. Maybe you're doing, you're starting up a new Bible study on Wednesday night for your adult group, right? And you're going to do some kind of class on something, right? Like what would be a, let's, what would be a good Bible study we're about to do? Anyone kick one off this fall recently? We're doing Overcomer. Overcomer, right? So, now Overcomer, which is the movie, right? Now, they have a whole bunch of stuff graphically, which is about to saturate the social internet, right? We're going to see it all. Everybody's going to be doing Overcomer. They're going to have their graphics and their picture and the runner and the race and all this kind of stuff. So, how can we make ours a little different? Right? So, maybe we don't use theirs, but maybe we use something that's got the impression of theirs, right? So, maybe we go to, back to... Um, Unsplash, and maybe an unsplash because Overcomer is about this runner, right? Run, race. Let's see what comes up with that. Uh, that could work, maybe. Uh -huh. I imagine the paint that's probably related to, uh, yeah. Mm. Maybe we do this, maybe cross country. See, because that's it was a lot about cross country racing. So there's a, something that you don't see faces, which is kind of good. Mm. Let's stop race and say run. Let's try that. Win. Yeah, with the tape at the tape line. Let's see. That's a thought. There we go. Finish line. Break the tape. Yeah, I don't think that would work, does it? Someone that's barely making it. 
see about winning. Uh, winning. That's impossible. Interesting visually. Yeah, it's a sort of empowered feel. That kind of could potentially work. Plenty of space for text up here in the top. So let's download that one. Let's see what happens with this one. So we'll go back to Canva. We're still in our thing here, so we're gonna get rid of that. We're gonna get rid of that graphic. We'll go to our uploads. We need to put this graphic in our uploads. Alright, so we're gonna scale it in so it fits our our frame. Kind of line him up middle, kind of get him balanced. Right? And so now we're gonna put a text tile over top of him. And this one I think probably needs to have a nice sort of solid. Is that two? That's not good. What do you think? That's got some weight to it. Does that feel okay? That font size? That style? I don't know what the graphics of Overcomer look like. I haven't looked at them. We're going to ungroup that and get rid of that one. We're going to call this and says Overcome. Want that to be white. Nope, white's not the right color. Let's go with this sort of bluey tone in his shirt. See if we can get something that kind of matches that a bit. Maybe in this sort of darky, dark blue-gray kind of tone. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, that could work as a graphic that you post on the social media. It could kind of slow someone down. They're familiar with the idea of overcome this Bible study that's taking place. This is a little different than what they're seeing everybody else is posting. So maybe it's enough difference, but it's connected enough that it kind of would work, right? Simple graphic, simple text overlay. But the idea we're trying to do is create graphics that communicate the message of what we're trying to do. So if you've got Yeah, so if you highlight that, you drop down this window here, and then these are all the fonts. You say, uh, you literally can just scroll right through them. And there are a ton of fonts. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what you're highlighting. Absolutely. If 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 um, so you're essentially looking at sort of the branding messaging, right? There needs to be a continuity with the message, and so if it goes on the screens, the same. So what I have to do is I have to create this thing in every format, every selection, every layer, every possible iteration that I would need for the screens, for the social media, for the web, for the blog, for everywhere. So there's a continuity. Like if you if you're doing the Overcomer Bible study and you got the whole packet of stuff they sent you. You will notice that everything they created inside that packet looks exactly the same. Same fonts, same graphics, same photos. Why? Because it doesn't matter if you hang the poster in the room or throw the graphic on the slide. It all goes together. It's designed intentionally. 
So whether you post it on social media, whether you put it in your church graph, wherever, right? And so there's a there's a continuity. Here's a here's a branding rule or a marketing rule you need to understand. This will help you. The rules of sevens. So in the marketing world, we think of rules of seven. It takes seven impressions before someone even knows that whatever you're talking about is a thing. Like they have to see it seven times before they go, oh yeah, I remember. I remember yeah, I remember something about that. Seven times before they even recognize that that thing even exists on the planet. Seven more times before they're even interested in engaging with it. And seven more times before they will engage. 21 times they need to see that thing before they will really begin to engage with you. Now, if you create a graphic for Overcomer Bible Study Series, and it looks one way in the worship center, and it looks another way on your bulletin, and it looks another way on social media, then you have diluted the rule of sevens. Right? They need to see it seven times, three different ways. Let me say, they need to see it seven, 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 before they will go. I think I'm going to that Bible study. The rule of sevens. And you start deviating from your design and how you're nonverbal communicating, it dilutes your ability to be effective with the marketing and the communication message that you're creating. It hurts the story that you're trying to tell. You're about to say or ask something. Well, I was, I was thinking about the winter retreat thing. Is that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we did the nice one with the snowflake mm-hmm. thing. But for like Instagram, we want something more dynamic, more exciting, and you went and did the whole new one mm-hmm. with, the, with the guy. Yes. So, is that because you, know, you know your audience? So this is it, mom and dad, and the one on the way up is more for the kids. So, or is it, great question. So in our exercise here, we're playing. If I were doing something for church, I would have picked one. We're, and we're going to do it. This this is how it's going to look. So if I were like, if we had decided, okay, we're going to go with this look here. Then the ones on Instagram, this is what we're going to do. If we're going to do on social media, this work, this is the branding component of this thing we're going to create. Okay, so you so weren't you saying use both of those. Correct. You were just playing. That's right. We're just like sort of creating some better, stuff. Like That's right. At the end of the day, what you want to do is whenever you're creating designs for something, you want to work through how is this going to play on this, this platform? How is it going to work here? How is it going to work here? And then you need to really hone in on something, and that's the thing. Right? And that's the decision you make. This is the decision we're going to make. This is the the creative direction we're going to go. And we're going to go in this direction. And so this is the photo we're going to use. This is the fonts we're going to use. These are the color palettes we're going to use. And no matter if it's square or rectangle or top or bottom, this is the this is the design we're using. And so because of that, you'll want to pick something and stick with it and stay with it through the, through the entire life cycle of the event or the thing you're promoting. On Instagram, would you change the words and you'd say picture? Just- I, would, I would just adjust the shape and layout. So if I were going to, if this is the direction we were going to go, right, this, then we're like, hey, this is where we're going to go for this thing, then on Instagram, I would have the similar kind of thing, except maybe I would, instead of saying winter retreat, all this, I would have very specific. Go, let's go skiing or something wintery. That the, to, but it would be the same font, right? I would use this font. I wouldn't change the fonts up. We're going to use this font. We're going to use this photo. We're going to use this messaging in order to effectively communicate this information. But it all starts within your, your why and understanding why are we doing this thing and how do we best communicate it. Can I recommend a resource for you? 
um, a resource for you to consider for church communications. A new book came out, uh, Phil Bowdle, Westridge Church in Atlanta, published a book called Rethink Communication. Rethink Communication, a fantastic book. Phil Bowdle, B-O-W-D-L-E, Rethink Communication. It's a great book. It's a quick, easy read, full of wonderful resources. But the essence of what he talks about when you're communicating, when it goes to graphics and everything, is you need to understand the why in order to create your message. And let the why dictate your, your design direction. Why are we doing this? Who we're trying to do it for? What's the ultimate objective? What do we want to happen? And then let that dictate the design direction that you go. Phil Bowden. P-H-I-L-B-O-W-D-L-E. Right there. Rethink Communication. It's a fantastic book, wonderful resource in terms of church communications, and it will help you in understanding the, 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 both the philosophy of why we create the way we create and the hows and the resources and the grit. It's a great book on just communication, general communication strategy, and it'll help tremendously. It'll help you understand the why. And then once you understand the why, this becomes the communication of that. The why do we communicate? How do we communicate? What does it need to look like? Does that make sense? But within Canva, you can do print. You can do all kinds of stuff. Like, for example, I was playing the other day, and I was like, well, can we in Canva do something for Go Georgia? It's like, well, we kind of replicate a little bit the cover of the Go Georgia book, right? And did this in Canva, which I could print this if I wanted to. And it would be nice, high-quality print. I pulled this photo off of Unsplash, did a search for typewriters, right? I pulled their logo off of their website, says here's their logos for the stuff, and I put them in here in my library and created this little publication piece, right? So when you're doing your newsletters or you're doing, if you're doing something for print, right, newsletter print, or you're doing a worship guide, you can create some of those things in Canva, and there's already some structure to it so you don't have to be a professional designer, but you can design like a professional. It'll look professionally done because you'll follow the rules. There's nice symmetry. You've got a hierarchy. You've got a grid in place. You're minimizing the amount of fonts that you're using. Everything is intentional and thought about. And at the end of the day, you have something that looks like it's designed well because it is. It's good design. Yeah. You can't create motion in Canva. So you can't create animations or animated GIFs or anything of that nature. You can't create those in Canva. All right? Does that make sense? So, go back here real quick. Any questions? Anything else I can answer for you before we have to depart? Yes. Huh? Can I ask you one more? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so, say you're a citizen of Louisiana. You said the law of seven. Yes. Okay. Um, Facebook, about three times a day is about the maximum you want to do. You do much more than that, people start following you. Um, for events, what I try to do is post, depending on the event, I try to post every few days. So, like, um, and I'll post variations of it, right? So I may create the same graphic and create like two or three versions of the same graphic. So maybe the font's in a different place, or maybe the, the visuals are done a little differently, but it's the same thing. And I'll post a couple times, three or four times a week across all of our platforms. For, for one event. Oh, yeah. You have to understand that, that, 
Six weeks out is when we start promoting. Six weeks out is when we want to start getting the information in front of everyone. Four weeks out is when it's our kind of, it's, it's in our drips in our newsletter, it's hitting the screens. Two weeks out is when we're on our kind of like, yes, it's like four or five times a week across all of our platforms, it's in our newsletters, it's, it's everywhere. So six weeks out is when we start rolling it out. Four weeks out is when we begin to get heavy on it. Two weeks out. And in Phil Battle's communication, he gives you a grid in that book. He gives you an Excel, a Google sheet that you can download and apply for free, and it breaks everything out for you. Do this on this. It's fantastic. But six weeks, four weeks, two weeks. And once you get in that two-week window, every few days, especially if it's a big event. And the other thing, too, the other, the other caveat to this is if, it's, if it affects 50% of the church or more, that's the standard on my posting schedule. If, it, if it's a men's event or a women's event, or if it's a 50% of the church, then that's going to get a lot of noise. If it's an onboarding process, if it's a mission, if, it's a, if it affects 50% of the church or more, that's going to get more of the heavy, heavy lifting. If it's a student ministry event, it'll get a hit, but that's a very small group of people. It's not going to get the social media action of the church in a way, right? It's yeah, he helps a lot with that. But then that's in the, in the, so the church, not it, but if you're in your student ministry, student ministry is a whole other ball game. That's right. Your youth pastor should be following the same kind of process, but for the student social media, right? For the student newsletter, for the student email, for the student stuff, following that same scope, but for the student world. If it's from the church world, fifty percent of the congregation or more is, is our standard. That's all I've got. I think you're done. I will be around for a little bit longer. If you have some more questions, I'll be glad to entertain those for you before you leave. Thank you guys for coming. I appreciated the opportunity to engage with you, and I hope that you learned something today.